You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Church Kyoto. It's so good to have you here with us today, wherever you're joining us in from, uh, whatever campus you're with, or wherever you are around New Zealand. So good to have you with us. Maybe you're here from around the world. So good to have you. I want to let you know quickly before I preach about Christmas Box. We just heard about it, but I want to, again, just remind you that this is an incredible opportunity for us as a church through this very difficult year to be a blessing to our community. So please uh, consider giving, consider how you're going to be part of of it. Uh, one thing we need you to do is nominate people. We're trying to give away 1,500 boxes, the most we've ever done. And I want to let you in on a secret. So far, we have two nominations. So that means we've got 1,498 people still to bless. So uh, get on there now. The link is going to come up right now in the chat where you can go straight to a nomination form on our website too. You'll find it. Uh, we want to be a blessing. And I know there's many, many people in our communities, uh, maybe in your street, maybe in your family, that you know uh, are gonna need a blessing this Christmas and we wanna be part of that. Also wanna tell you that the packing day may look a bit different. We obviously have um, gathering restric- restrictions with numbers and so our big one all-in packing day um, here in Auckland may not be able to go ahead as it normally does. Uh, that doesn't mean we're gonna cancel Christmas box. We're just gonna do it maybe a little bit differently. We might stage packing days over a few days, um, but we're gonna let you know how that's gonna work. Just be ready, be prepared. Uh, we're gonna be the hands and feet of Jesus this Christmas and bless so many people who need it. Uh, this year. All right, I want to bring part two of our new series called We The Church. And if you missed week one, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to that. It's a great setup for this week. Uh, But my prayer for all of us in this series is that no matter where we are on the journey of faith or church, my heart and my prayer is that we would all come back to the heart of who God has called us to be, His church. Church, And at the end of this message, we're also going to be receiving communion together again. I really wanted to do this for every week of this series, just to round off with communion. So if you haven't prepared already, you've got my whole message, just see yourself prepared with some juice and some bread for that. We're going to read 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse number 9. You can join along with me. It says this, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness and into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you'd not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Uh, Last week, we explored whose we are. And we we realised, man, we belong to Jesus. We are His. And this week, I wanna go a step further along that journey to understand who we are. Who are we as the church? What are we like? What has God called us to be? You know, I find the times we're living in really interesting. In the age of of social media and everything, I mean, social media is the wild west. It's like, it's crazy town out there. Never before in human history has there been the ability for every person on planet earth to have a public platform that goes global where they can share every opinion, every offense, uh, every objection, publicly with the world. And so, man, people are having at it. I mean, right now, listen, this is how kind of like social media works. If you have a bad night's sleep, you wake up, you go, man, bad night's sleep. That's going straight on Facebook. Hello, Facebook world. Man, had a terrible sleep last night. Hashtag send coffee. 
Can you imagine doing that 600 years ago? Imagine 600 years ago, you pop out of your village, out of your hut, out of your little house in your village. You go, excuse me, villagers, everybody, just wanna let you know, I had a terrible sleep last night, villagers. No one cares. They're like, dude, it's 1400. No one's having a good night's sleep. Nobody cares. But in our day and age, Everyone has the opinion. Everyone can spout whatever they want. Uh, everyone's got an opinion about everything on social media. In fact, this, I saw this online. I thought this is brilliant. This is kind of how social media works. Here we go. Social media user posts this. I prefer mangoes to oranges. Random social media person number two jumps into the chat. So basically what you're saying is you hate oranges. You also failed to mention grapes, bananas, and pineapples. Educate yourself. I'm literally shaking, do better. I mean, that's pretty much how social media works right now. So when it comes to the church, it's no surprise that there are all manner of opinions of who we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to be like. Everyone's got an opinion of who the church is. Is And so I want to use this passage we've just read to help us better understand who we are as the church. And my first thought is this. Number one, we are a chosen people. We, the church, are a chosen people. Do you remember, and for some of the, maybe the millennial generation and, and, and uh, beyond uh, won't know this, but for, for those of us who grew up sort of in the 80s and, and, and lower in the 70s, 60s, 50s, you'll remember in school, uh, before we were concerned about people's feelings and causing psychological harm to children, the way we used to choose teams uh, in a schoolyard thing was the teacher would line everyone up against the wall and then they would choose two captains for the teams. And the two captains would then take turns picking from the lineup who they wanted in their team. And this, I mean, I'm telling you, there are 65-year-old people today who still are in therapy to this day because of this exercise. I mean, this did some serious damage. Like, it's, it's like this is the reason, this, this exercise of picking teams this way is the reason we have small groups. Like, people need to find freedom from that kind of stuff in their past. It, it was a horrible thing not to be chosen, to be like the last picked or to be down the line, just hoping, just hoping someone calls your name. But I tell you what, on the contrast, it was a wonderful feeling when someone called your name and said, I choose Stephen. He's gonna be in my team. And it was a, like, yes, I've been chosen. Like I've been chosen to be part of a team. Uh, it, was, it was a wonderful feeling, man, to be like, man, I've been chosen. And what, Peter does, the Apostle Peter does in the Scripture, is he directly reflects God's choosing in the Old Testament of the nation of Israel, and he reflects that towards the church. See, the nation of Israel were God's chosen people, called to display and outwork the plan of God and reveal Him to this world. And so then Peter says, we the church are God's chosen people. And in the same way, we are chosen to reflect the image of God, chosen to display and outwork the plan of God to reveal Himself to this world and to lead people to Him. We the church are a chosen 
people from all manner of backgrounds, from all every ethnicity, from every nation, from every culture, every tribe, every tongue. And we bring all our diversity and all our difference and all the, the beauty of our culture and the beauty of our family. Like when you become a Christian, you don't check your culture at the door. You bring it with you because now you are a chosen people of God. And what I love about that is that those words, you are a chosen people, they include both the individual and the collective. You are chosen. God has chosen you. God has called you out as an individual. You are chosen, but you are chosen to be part of God's collective plan, to be part of His people. It refers to the collective community that you are a part of. See, we, the church, don't operate in isolation. It goes against the very fabric of the gospel to have Christ but not have His community. We, the church, are not a chosen person. We are a chosen people. We are together. We are collective. The plan of God for you and I is together. We aren't all the same. We're all different. You can belong to many different groups of people and everyone in there is different. Different views, different opinions, different ideas, different likes and dislikes. But that doesn't change the fact that we are a people, man. We are united. And all the things that you think about when it comes to outworking the Christian faith, things like love and service and generosity and grace and mercy and growth, discipleship, communion, encouragement, reconciliation, restoration, all these things require community. They cannot be done in isolation. They require a people, not a person. And right now, as the people of God, one of the things we've got to do is fight for our people, like fight for the unity of our people. Yes, we're different. Yes, we've got all kinds of different ideas and views. But listen, we are a people, so we have to fight for our collective oneness, not as I'm a person of God. No, no, we are the people of God. We, the church, function and have our being in community and in relationship. And I love that we're still able to gather online. I'm so thankful for the online campus. I'm so thankful for the online platform. I'm so thankful for all the team that makes this possible and the ability to still freely come and to be part of His church and worship together and, and sit under the Word. But, but don't be fooled by thinking that this is enough for you. This is not enough. One of my great concerns right now for the church in this season and this time of COVID and lockdowns is the isolation of the body of Christ from one another. Because we're not a chosen person, we're a chosen people and we have our functioning together. And we will, and we are, we do, like we see a drift, we can see a drift from the faith as people who've been dependent on Sunday fellowship for community no longer have that. And Sundays are important, Sundays are powerful, and I cannot wait for us to come back gathering together. But this is what we'll see is people drifting because they've been dependent on Sunday fellowship for that sense of community and being a people. Outside of that, they're just a person of God. And, and the, one of the things we're gonna be doing, this is one of the reasons why over the next few months, we're gonna be putting a huge emphasis behind our small groups, resourcing our small groups and our leaders, training them, getting, getting more resource to people. Why? Because in this season, we have to remember and come back to the heart that we're not a person of God, we are a people of God, a chosen person people and, and we're going to beginning to encourage people to have uh, watch parties. And I know even right now, there's a bunch of small groups who are having outdoor watch parties. In Auckland now, we can have gatherings of 25 outside. 
So let's go for it. Let's make sure we're connecting on a Sunday and to the small groups who are doing that. Congratulations, awesome. So proud of you guys sitting in your backyard with the TV at the door and just, I don't know, having church together. It's such a powerful thing. Have picnics, small groups, get together with each other. Why? Because we don't do this thing in isolation. We do this thing together. God has chosen us. We're a chosen people to be His instrument, to display Himself and outwork the plan of God on this earth. We, the church, are a chosen people. And I say this, friends, to challenge the idea that I can function fully as a follower of of Christ outside of His people, because we can't. We are a chosen people. And here's a question I want you to ask yourself. It's going to come up in the chat. Ask yourself this, am I living right now like a chosen person or a chosen people? Am I living like a chosen person or as a chosen person? people. Let's come back to the heart of who God has called us to be. We, the church, are a chosen people. We're in this together. The second thought I have is this. We, the church, are a royal priesthood. When, when I meet people, when you meet people for the first time, uh, there's you know, often an exchange of like pleasantries and names and how are you? And then before long, the inevitable question is going to come up. The question is this, what do you do? Like, what is your job? What do you do with your life? Like, what do you do? And when I meet people and I meet lots of different people all the time, and when I meet people and they don't know me, they're like, hey man, what do you do? Uh, And when I answer that question, normally there are like one of two responses that normally take place. Firstly, one of the main responses I get is that people don't believe me. When I say I'm a pastor, people look at me like, no, you're not. Like, you're, you're lying to me. Like, tell me the real story. Like, what do you do? I'm like, I'm, I'm a pastor. I lead a church. No one ever believes me when I tell them that I lead a church. In fact, it was Christmas a number of years ago, around about the season that we're in right now. And Bex and I, we were newly married. We didn't have kids. But uh, th- these two little old ladies came in knocking on our door around Christmas time because they wanted to share the true message of Christmas. They wanted to share about Jesus coming and say, so knocked on our door. And they're like, can we just share with you the true meaning of Christmas, that Jesus came, He was born? And I was like, cool. I, like, I'm a pastor. This is great. And they, they just looked at me and they were like, here, take the flyer anyway. Like they just did not believe me that I was a pastor. Like, okay, cool, whatever, buddy, take the flyer. So one, people don't believe me. But the other thing that happens is when people ask me what I do, I say I'm a pastor. They have no idea what that means. They're like, they're like a what? So I'm like, um, like, like a church minister, like I, I lead a church. And they're like, oh, so you're like a priest. That's normally what people say. You're like a priest. And I'm like, Kinda, but probably not like the picture you have in your head or what you're thinking right now. Uh, But yeah, I guess kinda, because that that term priest can be quite a loaded term and people have a whole bunch of different ideas about it. But when Peter, speaking into this this passage in 1 Peter and speaking of the church, he describes us as this. He calls us, a priest, and he, he, he takes that term, he borrows it again from the Old Testament priesthood, and he reflects it again into the New Testament church. See, in the Old Testament, the priests were a particular group of people chosen, set apart from the rest of the nation, and their role, their only function, their role was to draw near to God.
God, to mediate between God and people, and to serve God and serve the people. Not everyone was a priest. It was a special religious group, a special family, a special set-apart group of people. And what Peter is saying in this passage is he's saying that we, the church, are a royal priesthood. What he's saying is that we are all priests. Like back in the day in the Old Testament, yes, there was a priesthood, but it was only a select few. But he's saying to the church, we are a royal priesthood. Every single believer in Jesus is a priest. The religious hierarchy, it no longer exists. That the priesthood is no longer a select few people of a priestly order, but all who are born again by the Spirit of God and united in faith. I love what Pastor Luke, our founding pastor says, he says this, often the mindset of a church is that we pay the minister to do the work of ministry. And that is not New Testament Christianity. That is Old Testament Judaism. We, the church, are a royal priesthood. And if we are all priests, that means if every believer is a priest, then every vocation must be a ministry. And some of you here say, you thought you were a mechanic. No, you're a priest with a wrench. You thought you were a nurse. Nope, you're a priest in scrubs. You thought you were a lawyer. Nope, you're a priest with a briefcase. You thought you were a fitness trainer. Nope, you're a priest with biceps. You thought you were a police officer. Nope, you're a priest with a siren. You thought you were a road worker. Nope, you're a priest with a shovel to lean on and a cone to look after. You thought you were a receptionist. Nope, you're a priest with excellent phone manner. You, you thought you were an accountant. No, you're a priest with quick maths. Listen, let's not be a New Testament church with an Old Testament mindset. We, the church, are a royal priesthood, all priests. What that means is that we are all called, we, the church, are all called to seek God, to bless Him, to minister first to God, to draw near to Him. If you are a priest of the Most High God, royal priest, and you're a royal priest because you are under the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus, we draw near to God. We love Him, we worship Him, we honour Him, we seek Him, and we are called to seek and serve God and serve people. There's a lot of talk right now uh, out there about mandates. And so I'm going to give you a biblical mandate. I'm going to give you a mandate, church. We, the church, here it is. We, the church, have a royal heavenly mandate to seek and know God and use our lives in service of Him and in service to this world, to take the unique gifts and ways that God has made you and the things He's given you and use them to glorify God because we, the church, are a royal priesthood. Here's a question I want you to ask yourself today. As a royal priesthood, who are we seeking and who are we serving? As a royal priesthood, maybe even ask it in the personal, who am I seeking and who am I serving? In my interactions with people, in my conversations with people, in my speech, in my online conversations and how I'm interacting in this world, am I, as a royal priest, who am I seeking and who am I serving? And my third thought is this, we the church are a holy nation. We are a holy nation. Now, this one is, um, I'm probably gonna get a lot of head shaking in the chat once I say this, um, and for good reason, but I'll say it anyway. My concern right now in, the, in this COVID madness is that the church is more known for being lit and salty than it is for being salt and light. I told you it was coming. 
I'm more concerned that we're known for our contention with one another than we are for our love for one another. See, the Bible says that you will be salt and light to this world, that we're gonna be known by this to this world, the church, by our love for one another. But I'm just concerned that we're too busy being known for our contention than we are for our love for one another. What does it mean to be holy? God calls us to be a holy nation. It means to be set apart, different, righteous, good, pure, above, uncorrupted, sacred, consecrated, holy, holy. The defining word that God uses to describe His church is that we would be a holy nation, not a love nation, not a peace nation, not a justice nation, a holy nation, that we would be different that we would be set apart, that we would be righteous, that we would be good, that we would be pure. And friends, the journey of holiness for every believer, it begins at salvation. When you say yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and He lives on the inside of you. And because you have the Holy Spirit, things begin to change. The journey of holiness begins at salvation. That's why when you said yes to Jesus, that stuff in your life just started to change. It's like you start to live different, think different, old behaviours and mindsets and those certain habits and things you did. It was just all of a sudden, they they just dropped off your life you began to live different. There was a greater purity. There was a greater righteousness. There was a greater goodness to your life. But the the journey of holiness doesn't end at salvation. It's worked out every day of your life. That's why there's certain things in your life that you have to pursue righteousness and pursue holiness and clothe yourself in righteousness. You gotta deal with the stuff and the junk and the stuff that's trying to corrupt you. And you gotta take captive every thought that comes your way. Why? Because we are on a journey of pursuing holiness. It's not easy, but it's our calling because we the church are a holy nation. We're different, we're set apart. And I wanna read this to you. A church that shuns holiness is a church that loses its relevance to its community. Because when the community searches for answers, a church that behaves and acts and talks just like them offers nothing that they don't already have. But a holy nation is different to what they know. And we have answers to the questions that plague the human heart. Friends, we are a holy nation. We're a holy nation. Our our world right now is looking for answers. It's looking for meaning. It's looking for hope. It's looking for purpose. And when they look at the church, within this world we're in, there is a holy nation. It's called the church. And when they look at us, they see answers to the questions that they have. They see difference. They see something that is not like who they are. And it's appealing. It's intriguing. And it's God leading people to Himself. We, the church, we live different. And, and many people are frustrated right now, as I am, as I truly am, as we see our nation move further away from godliness. And, and as a, members of a democratic society, have your say, use your voice, make sure that you are uh, you know, having your say in the different things that go on in our nation. But let's not expect New Zealand to be what God has called us, the church, to be. New Zealand isn't the holy nation. The church is God's holy nation. And we're looking at the world right now saying, God, we need, you need to change them. God, change them. That's a good prayer to pray. We should pray for our nation, pray for our governments, pray for those things around the world. We need to pray that God would come and move and 
do only what He can do. That's a prayer I wanna encourage you to keep praying. But we should also pray as the ones called to be the holy nation in amongst this world, that God would change us. That God, You'd help me to be holy. In fact, here's a prayer I wanna leave you with that you can pray. Pray this prayer, God, show me where you desire greater holiness in my life. Show me where you desire greater holiness in my life because what the world needs is the church, a holy nation amongst this world that looks different, is different, lives different, speaks different, has a different mandate, has a different value system, has a different vision for life. Friends, we are a holy nation. My encouragement to us all today as a church and throughout this whole series is to come back to who we are in Jesus. We are a chosen people. We're a royal priesthood. and We are a holy nation because of Christ. This isn't a pride thing. This isn't a, oh, look at us. We're a holy people. Look at us. We're like this, cho- aren't we amazing? We're a chosen people. It's, it's got nothing to do with that. It's, it's got everything to do with Jesus. I'm a cho- we are a chosen people because Christ by His grace chose you. By His grace, He called you out. By His grace, He reached down and said, you come follow me. By His grace, you're a chosen people, not because you were good enough, not because God looked down and was like, who are all the good people? And who are all the righteous people? And who are all the ones that fit the mold? No, no, He looked down, He's like, I'm gonna choose you despite your mess, despite your struggle, despite the complexities and brokenness of your life and your story, I'm still gonna choose you. Friends, that's grace. That's all about Jesus that you've been chosen. You're a royal priesthood. We're, and we're a royal priesthood, not because we are good enough, not because we're set apart, and we're in, but because Christ is our high priest and we come in and He is the mediator. He is the reconciler between us and God. And we get to function as people who know God and love Him and are in relationship with Him because of Jesus. We get to lead people to, to God because of Jesus. And friends, we are a holy nation, not because for some reason we're good, but because we stand in His holiness, His righteousness, because He is good, because it's about His goodness and His righteousness and His holiness. And I stand in that, not in mine. And I allow God to form me and shape me and grow me on that journey. And what I'd love to do right now, friends, is for us to take communion together and to remember in this moment who we are as the church. We the church, we're a chosen people by the grace of God, By the grace of God, thank you, Jesus, for your body broken and your blood shed that I could be chosen. You're a royal priesthood. I now get to know God and serve Him and love Him and reach others and use what God's given me to to bless this world and to reach lost people. Why? Because of the cross of Jesus, because of the grace of God. And I get to be a holy nation, not because I'm good, but because He's good. And as as we take a moment now to partake in communion, I want us to come back to that place. It's all about Him. It's all about Jesus. And as the church, we the church, we have to center back on Him all the time, continuously. It's all about Him. Let's come back to that place together. Let me pray and then we're gonna receive communion together, church. Father, we thank You for Your body that was broken and Your blood that was shed, Jesus. We thank You that You went to that cross and You took upon Yourself the payment that we all would do for our sin. And you conquered death in the grave and you rose again to new life. And we thank you that it's not by our goodness or our greatness or us being special, but it's all about your grace. So help us, oh God, to be a chosen people, 
not a chosen person, but a chosen people, be to be together in this call and this plan you have for us to reveal you to this world, to outwork your plan to this world. Lord, help us to be that royal priesthood, those that know you and love you. Lord, help us to live with a New Testament mindset, not an Old Testament one, where we know that we are called by you to know you and to serve you and to bless this world. And God, I pray, help us to be that holy nation by your grace. We stand in your righteousness. We stand in your grace. We thank you that it's by your bloodshed and your body broken that we get to be sons and daughters of God. We thank you for that. And we rest in your goodness, not ours. Help us to be that holy nation in Jesus' name. Friends, you can eat and you can drink together now. And I want, as you do that, I want to give one more um, shout out. I want to pray one more prayer for one more group of people. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, maybe you've never made a decision to follow Him. I want to let you know, friends, that God loves you. God made you. God's got a great plan for your life. We all mess up. We all fall short of God's standard. But God in His grace, He sent Jesus to a cross. When He died on that cross, He took upon Himself everything you and I would do for our sin. And He extends to everyone today, not judgment, but grace, forgiveness for all your wrongs, a brand new life that begins right here right now. It's called being born again by the Spirit of God. God will make you a new person from the inside out. And then friends, you get to walk into the plans that God has for you, for your life. He's got good plans for your life. And then friends, there's this great promise of eternity in heaven with Him. This life is not the end of the story. So friends, if you're here today online or in the room, maybe in Whangarei, and you don't know Jesus, today is your day. If you've never surrendered your life to Him, or maybe you've fallen far from God, but you knew Him before, and today's your day to come back to Him. Friends, I want to invite I invite you to pray this prayer with me. I'll pray it out loud. You pray it with me. Say these words. Say, God, today I surrender my life to You. I know I've sinned. I know I've messed up, but I believe Jesus, You died for me. So right now I turn from my old ways and I turn to You. Come in and be the Lord of my life. I choose from this day to live for You in Jesus' name. Friend, if you just prayed that prayer, I'm so proud of you. We're so proud of you. I think this is the most wonderful thing you could ever do. And right now coming up in the chat, there is a button that says, I raise my hand or count me in. Click that. We wanna know, we wanna help you on your journey. If you're in Whangarei, there's gonna be a team that's gonna follow you up. But friends, thank you so much. We're so proud of you. We wanna help you on your journey. Cannot wait to bring part three of this series to you next week. God bless you, church. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.